Wrestling with my brother. We got a podcast, yeah. Wrestling with my brother. Hello and welcome back to the podcast that still owes the APA a debt after 20 years. It's wrestling with my brother. That's good. Do we? Shit. Yeah. That was one hell of a night. Lots of poker, lots of beer. Poke. Oh, can I make a really, really rude joke here? <laughs> you may. Poker in the front, liquor in the rear. <laughs> yeah. And then a beating afterwards. That's what happened. <laughs> because of that. So it'd be <laughs> you played poker in the front. Well, I've even bashed uh, old JBL on this pod. So come at me, bro. Come at us, John. <laughs> you tycoon bitch. <laughs> Please don't come at us. He's still huge. He's still a man monster. I'm just a pathetic little weedy mid 30 year old man. How are you, Darren? I'm very good, thank you, bro. How are you? I'm good. Well, I'm actually exhausted from just a few crazy weeks of wrestling. It's just, we haven't even, we've touched on the biggest moment of wrestling this week, but just, you know, uh, Brock Lesnar coming back and looking... Becky Lynch coming back. Yeah. How mad did Brock look with his man bun and beard? I was like, what's going on here? Crazy. He looked like an artisan beer producer who'd <laughs> been hitting the gym <laughs> okay little little side uh, side game here what would his beer be called um that's tough in there suplex city bitter yeah but i think it'll strike like half an hour into the pod we'd have to come back to that i'll, I'll make a note brock lesnar's beer beer lesnar rubbish <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, I mean, what a bloody week for wrestling. It is trending globally, and I bloody loves it. It is about time, and it's such a special week that we're going to talk about it in two of our features. So two clips relate to the biggest talking point in wrestling for years. I mean, it's got to be done. We like looking back on old clips, and we have been touching on some more recent stuff, especially with AEW, but... I think, you know, we need to talk about this and we need to give it the respect it deserves. But uh, that's a little spoiler for later. First of all, we've got our regular feature, which is... Would you rather? Okay, so I did say I had one in mind for this, but yours last week was fairly similar. So I'm going to hold off on it for a while. Like I am with a couple of features. I've got, I've got a few things on the back burner <laughs> ready, to, uh, ready to bring into play when we're ready. But this, I thought this was quite, quite a good one. Anyway, would you rather go around for a whole day dressed like a member of Demolition or like Doink the Clown? <laughs> oh... God. See, now at the start of this little segment, when we first introduced it to the pod, I mocked you for your Carl Pilkington thought process and rules and where are we, the stipulations of it. Every time since I think I've told you off it, I'm like, okay, is it a working day? Am I on Zoom as a clown? Or am I doing a bit of shopping on a Saturday? You know, because if I'm like, like I was in Asda's, uh, this Sunday, name drop, yeah, that's, that's how I roll. And uh, as Demolition, 
I think my nipples would have fallen off because it was fucking freezing in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, my, my exposed bosom would <laughs> would shatter around Asda's. So I'm going to have to, yeah, you're going to have to give me some caveats. What, what day is this? It's a full day of normal activity. So it's pre-COVID. It's not working from home. It's whatever you would do in a normal nine to five, whether that would be going to work, you know, going out after work for a drink with the lads or taking your wife out for an evening meal or just a stroll up the canal. <laughs> Which I did tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah, because if it's, a, if it's a team's call, I literally do for my double chin up. <laughs> you ain't getting even my bare shoulders, let alone anything further down. It's going to have to be done. The cloud, isn't it? I can't walk around like an S&M gimbal at the place. <laughs> <laughs> bloody leather crisscrossing. I mean, my physique looks like them to start with, so I'm halfway there. Um, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna have to be doink. I think just from a purely non-sexual angle. <laughs> yeah, I think the only way you could get away with either of them is if you lived somewhere like San Francisco in the US or Brighton in the UK, because <laughs> people wouldn't bat an eyelid if you walked around the streets in either of those places or in outfits like that. But. Um, yeah, I think I don't like clowns. I don't find clowns funny or interesting or, or amusing or entertaining. So I don't think I'd want to go around dressed like one. What am I saying? I don't want a good restaurant like some sort yes. of SM freak either. Yes. <laughs> Nipple Darren, love it. Boom. <laughs> you unity here, no backseas. Done. Right. How do we set this up? Let's let's make this work. Nah, I'll go full doink. No, you're not going full dying. I said no backseas. You're going as a, a nipple-bound freak, no? That's it. It's perfect. Right, I physically wrestled a shark for you last week. So this week, we've got to live up to this. I'll buy a clown outfit on eBay. Done. <laughs> and you've got to go in some sex dungeon, a guy, mate. I want some studded leather and face paint. Okay, well, I'm, go- I'm going to have with a full gauntlet and shoulder pad version as well. I'm not going the uh, the ring version. Go- <laughs> Please keep a little bit warm. <laughs> yeah, that'll make it better. Yeah, good call, bro. Would you rather? Okay, so I said we were going to shift things around a little bit this week, um, which means that I am going first, and... This is the first of two clips related to the same thing. And of course, it is CM Punk debuting on AEW Rampage. phrase from you when you message me about this my goosebumps have goosebumps 
You shit. That was my first line. I gotta take that out now. <laughs> what a pop. We talked on the podcast recently about the loudness of the crowd pops in the Attitude Era and how that sort of reaction seemed like such a long time ago. But this was on another level. What a reintroduction from the CM Punk chants to the reaction when his music hit. This was one of the loudest, I think, I've heard a wrestling crowd in a long time, certainly, you know, the last decade. And what I really liked about this as well is that the commentators didn't talk all over it. They let the crowd's reaction speak for itself. How many times have commentators ruined incredible moments by just talking all over them? Yeah. You know, not everything needs commenting on. Sometimes saying nothing says a lot more. You say it best. Go on. Come on. When you say nothing at all, Michael Cole. Sorry, continue. Thanks, Ronan. Um <laughs> This is arguably the biggest return in professional wrestling ever. I mean, this is a man who walked away from the ring seven years ago, exhausted and disillusioned by everything he'd gone through in WWE, all the backstage politics, the disrespect he felt that he'd had from management. And no one knew if he'd ever return. You know, he tried his luck at MMA, which wasn't particularly successful. He did some acting, which, again, you know, didn't really set the world on fire. But as he was still in his prime when he walked away, fans were just desperate for him to return to the ring. For years, CM Punk chants would resound in WWE arenas, you know, particularly in Chicago, but all over the world, really. But when AEW launched, it just seemed the natural home for a wrestler of his talent and his attitude. And my God, were they ready for him? You know, this is his hometown, hometown crowd and the banners the chance, the tears, that bloke crying his eyes out, just so much emotion. But all I could think is, could you imagine the anger if he hadn't shown up after all those rumours? Because everyone was just almost certain he was going to be there, but it wasn't confirmed officially until he actually arrived. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they felt pretty stupid with all the banners in the audience and... Uh... <laughs> he didn't show up. Oh, you've you said everything word for word because we're brothers, but my goosebumps literally had goosebumps. It's been rumoured, rumoured, rumoured. And annoyingly, people are getting so good at uh, Photoshop now that on Twitter, CM Punk is all elite. And I'm like, because oh, it looks legit. And I'm like, oh, you bloody shit. you got 50 followers. You're pulling the one out of rise. And I only saw this clip. So you sent it to me on the morning and I didn't see it. I literally, yeah, it was first thing in the morning when I looked at it. I just stood there in my bathroom, just laughing, just giggling, covered with goosebumps. I get goosebumps now. My legs are covered in goosebumps just thinking about it. It's ridiculous. I, I, I mean, this was just like when I replayed that insane Triple H pop in Cardiff. And, and I must have played that like 50 times, just that like football stadium roar of the crowd. Cause you know, you're used to that. I've never, I've been to like one or two football matches, but you know, nothing compared to you. And you don't normally get that roar from a wrestling match nowadays, but I literally must've watched this like 20 times. Uh, and yeah, just when he rests on the ramp before crowd surfing, I'm like, oh, that's so punk rock. You literally living up to your name. Like you said, the chance, the fact that he's in his hometown, all the hype and the rumours, you know, leading up to him being all elite. What I did after that, I watched the Q&A session 
um, with him and Tony Khan. And yeah, it's actually been in the works for a year and a half. Uh, it was just that, yeah, Darren's eyebrows raising. So he said that it wasn't to do with money or, or, or fame or, you know, waiting to get the biggest pot possible. It was more to do with, uh, well, COVID set it back, obviously, because he didn't want to go to it. Can you imagine if he'd have turned up to an empty arena? It was like three people there. Oh, yeah, punk. Yeah, he's back. And, you know, plus... He said nothing to nothing against AEW, but there are so many wrestling companies that pop up for six months. You know, all the hype, all the promises in the world, and then they kind of fade away into obscurity. He didn't want that to happen. He didn't want to turn up on month five, and then month six, it still wasn't enough to kind of save this company. So he wanted to give AEW a bit of breathing space and develop their own talent. Um, but he, it was really interesting. They had loads of different questions. When <laughs> so it was via Zoom. And uh, there's like a woman curating it. And she's like, oh, you know, up next is Darren from Wrestling My Brother. Can you imagine that? And he, he didn't go on uh, for ages. It was really awkward. And so obviously like loads of people were like, oh, thank you so much for this opportunity. And Punk was like, yeah, I remember my first Zoom session. I was like, oh, God, it's really embarrassing. But yeah, yeah, there's nothing more needs to be said. It was just the feel-good moment of the year, you know, in, in wrestling and yeah, amazing. I was trying to think of returns on a similar level. I don't think there's ever been one like this. I think because the circumstances in which he left wrestling, you know, a man in his prime at the peak of his popularity who left so totally disillusioned with what had happened to him in his career. And it wasn't certain that he would ever return to the wrestling world again. And he had so much more to give that the fans just couldn't believe it. And they were desperate to see him back in WWE. And like I said, when AEW started, it just seemed like this might be the right fit for him. So I think, you know, they have been talking about it ever since AEW started getting that mainstream attention from wrestling fans and became more than just this little startup promotion. Um, But yeah, there's been nothing like it before. The pop that he got, was on a level unmatched by anything. I mean, I was just thinking we had John Cena. We didn't talk about John Cena's return recently. He had an absolutely outrageous pop as well. Um, And I think him and Punk are probably the only two wrestlers in the world who could return to a ring that would make that kind of pop. But you always knew that John Cena would come back eventually. He'd just gone off to do some films to have a break from wrestling to try his hand at something else. He was still the WWE poster boy when he left and he left on good terms. He was always going to come back for something. You know, he hadn't retired. He hadn't stepped away for good. You knew that that return was always on the cards, but with CM Punk, he'd never put his cards on the table and said that, yes, I will return to the ring one day. It was always glossed over or, you know, ignored or he made some cryptic remarks, but yeah, just and just to see the emotion. Did you see Tommy Dreamer um, on yeah. social media address that fan who was crying, and he said he'd uh, fly him to an event. Yeah, I mean, he he's become a, a fan in his own right. He's an absolute legend. The yeah, I, I'm going to touch on that later, but uh, I think like maybe Edge at the Royal Rumble because it's a similar thing. You know, he is getting on, and he was one of the not WWE originals, but certainly back in the Attitude Era, and he's been going for decades. And, you know, that pop was huge. They tried to rival rival it with uh, Lesnar's pop at SummerSlam, but 
yeah, I mean that this was just amazing. I I do wish that AEW was even bigger than it is, you know, and imagine that in an arena full of 50,000, 80,000 people, you know, a WrestleMania size arena, he'd still get a, a bigger pop, you know, than he did. So, ah, oh, just amazing. And, and yet again, we pick certain classic clips after this pod's done. I'm going to watch it again just to boost myself up, just give myself a little boost. And yeah, it's just feel good moment of the year so far. You could see the emotion in his eyes as well, how much it meant to him. And just, I think he was a little bit taken aback by it as well, by the direction of the fans. Obviously, he knew hometown crowd, Pat Arena, first time, you know, for many of these wrestling fans that they've managed to be at a live event in 18 months, he was going to get a big reaction. But I think it took his breath away as well. Take my breath away. Oh my God, it's going to be one of those nights. Absolutely on fire tonight, Dan, with my vocals. You're welcome. Yeah, well, funny enough, this is the CM Punk promo from the very same AEW Rampage episode. I didn't plan on what I was going to say because I didn't know what to say. Because I didn't know how I was going to feel, but I knew that I needed to feel it. I feel you, Chicago. And I hear you, Chicago. It's got to be done. When you suggested this, I thought, yeah, that makes complete sense. This is this is big enough for two. Two mentions. When are we going to get this again? You know, when are we going to get this opportunity? Uh, and again, it's just so funny. You say words in a sequence. I'm like, oh god, I've just written that down. I literally have written down. You can see how emotional he is and how much it means to him. <laughs> like you just said it. You know, but he starts by saying this promo is unscripted. But even his most scripted promos in WWE feel real. So you know, we've talked about this before. He is the voice of the people. He uses we instead of I to get the crowd into it. And, you know, a lot of wrestlers are in it for the ego. <laughs> good brother. <clears throat> you know, and it's all about them. If, if they don't get their spot, even when they're 95 years old, then they're not doing it at all. You know, but he puts the crowd over more than himself. Um, you know, I love it that they even pop when he sits, sits down in the center of the bloody ring. I mean, I'd love that. At the end of the day, if I sit down on my sofa and Tina's like, yeah, it's just... <laughs> he, he literally sits down and crosses his legs, but it's like, oh, here comes another pipe bomb. You know, he he, he just does things so iconic. It's, it's brilliant. Um, and, you know, like you said, everyone was so excited to see him turn up, but deep down they didn't know for how long, what kind of deal he'd be getting, you know, whether he was more of a Paul White in the background or Sting in the background, or, you know, whether he is going to be an active participant. And, you know, he addressed that just like the the corn song, he's sure to stay. So, you know, this is, this is him. He's going to be on dynamite rampage the four pay-per-views per year this is this is him he's going to be active um he didn't go in someone asked him the details of his contract within uh that q a <laughs> he turns around in true punk fashion and says you know you wouldn't ask a butcher how a sausage is made i'm like oh that's a, that's a visual analogy but 
yeah, you know, it's true that these they are magicians, and you know, they are that they, they produce magic in the ring. You don't, I don't want to know how to safely take a DDT. I just want to know that a DDT looks bloody vicious and suspend disbelief. So he's like, I'm not telling you the clause of my contract, but it's you know, it's not about the money. It's about me participating in a company that I I believe in. Uh, great shout out to Darby Allen as well, who most consider the hottest new prospect in AW. They have uh, a match coming up as well, or might have might have already come up once his pod is. So that's really cool. And yeah, I I just like that uh, that Darby and Stinger in the rafters, proper WCW style. And one of the one of the other moments of this promo that has been talked about since actually has nothing to do with punk and it's Darby's new face paint because he normally does half his face as a skeleton but that tree kind of face paint was like whoa that's wicked but uh yeah no really good I, I read a, a thing the other day where Booker T was kind of a bit lukewarm did you hear about that he said that he shouldn't have spent the promo dragging WWE but actually, I, I disagree with that. I think it was important for him to address the reasons why he left. But also, he didn't mention WWE by name, and he didn't spend a lot of time actually laying into them. Mm. He, he just put some salient points forward, you know, which you would expect from him. He, he's got this attitude as a straight-edge, straight-talker. So, you know, you're going to want to hear him talk straight about his experiences. Um, so I think it would have been very odd if he didn't... Um, drag WWE to use uh, to use Booker T's words but the fact that he didn't focus on that and that he did praise you know Darby Allen I think was was pretty impressive yeah just as an aside I'm quite happy with how sausages are made by the way I'm I, I <laughs> come to terms I've come to terms with the reality of sausage making and, and what goes into the uh, construction and I'm very happy as a carnivore to to know how they're made and to eat them I, I'm happy with that it doesn't bother me Punk is the most over wrestler right now, and he hasn't even wrestled a match. That's the other thing. You know, 2014 was his last wrestling match, and yet he is the most over wrestler on the planet. The other thing that you, you didn't mention was the T-shirt as well, um, which said the I was there yeah. on the back. I thought that was good. That's become the highest selling piece of wrestling merchandise ever, I think. It broke the AEW shop. It, it oh, wasn't true. working. The online store wasn't working for like two days or something. Yeah. Because everyone then, that was there wanted to buy that T-shirt. And why wouldn't you want to? I you Imagine saying you were actually there. Oh. So jealous. Um, what was the other thing that he did as well? He, after the show, he gave everybody a free yeah, like ice a cream. Price. Yeah, I, I, I don't really get that. I think it's a little nod to WWE again. That, that, that's been odd, that he's pushing, pushing that, and that has nothing to do with your character. I know there's no alcohol in there. It'd be a bit weird if he was passing out shots, but it's been odd, isn't it? Uh, I think it was his way of saying thank you to the fans. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it was, it was a nice little touch. They all went home happy, and you know they're going to be collectors, edition wrappers, those, uh, or maybe some people even keep them in the freezer for for their kids to enjoy. <laughs> oh, imagine that! You keep it, and your kids got chocolate all over the face. You're like. Are you shitting me? <laughs> you are joking. That was my CM Punk chalk ice. What have you done? I was going to pay for you to go to college, you brat. <laughs> oh, no, you, I mean, that 
He's into his, his punk rock, covered in tattoos. You'd have thought like one of those downloads, uh, like rubber wristbands would have been better with CM Punk on. Something the fans can wear. Not a bloody chalk ice, for fuck's sake. Plastic though, isn't it, bro? Save the planet and all that. Plastic kills. Oh, Jesus. Right, so when I when I re-enter the world of professional wrestling, I'll just throw fucking Soleros into the crowd, shall I? It would have less of an impact for me, wouldn't it? <laughs> if they <laughs> trying to give people a Solero, they'd be like, fuck off, you weirdo. No, yeah. <laughs> I've already got my chalk ice. I'm fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> Come and lick on Craig's Cornetto. No. <laughs> All right. How come my triple art comments cut? But you're, <laughs> you're very inappropriate, Cornetto. That's fine. Keep that in. It's about my cone, is it? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the producer. What I say goes. And what you say gets cut. <laughs> um, the other thing as well, you mentioned Sting in the rafters, of course. That that was a little bit pointed as well, because Sting didn't really enjoy his WWE tenure either. And I think he left feeling that uh, he didn't achieve what he hoped he might there. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's even more... OK, there, there's a pot that maybe rivals it, because he's never stepped foot in a WWE ring before. And, you know, he went from WCW to TNA. So he'd never competed in, in WWE until that point when he was like way on in his career. So I suppose that pop of him turning up is like CM Punk's never been in AEW either. But yeah, that may be a pop that rivaled it because you've never seen it before. It's not like a returning wrestler. It's what sting in a WWE arena? What's going on? Type of thing. They misused him so badly. Oh, that's what happens. Let's not let's not try and bash uh, Dub Dub E like uh, Punky Boy, but uh, yeah, I mean history, and we were alive, bro. We could say that we were the well, not the but here breathing. We we lived through history, but something else I wanted to mention. You did talk about it briefly, but his criticism of WWE or his implied criticism of WWE was that. It wasn't about professional wrestling, which was a discussion that we had on last week's podcast about the difference between professional wrestling and sports entertainment. And he said when he stepped away from Ring of Honor in 2005, that's when he left wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's come back to wrestling now. And the period in between was sports entertainment. So it's interesting to see how he views it. Again, I think I think that's a little bit unfair and a little bit disingenuous and, and perhaps, you know, most of the the WWE superstars consider themselves wrestlers and consider what they do professional wrestling, even if they're not allowed to call it as such, you know? The, every single person in and out of the WWE locker room are highly trained professional wrestlers. They're just branded as bloody superheroes. Yeah, I mean, nobody is... I mean, even the worst wrestlers in WWE are still amazing athletes and wrestlers. There's no denying that at all. And you're on the biggest... What are you crinkling up your old face for now? Great Carly. Hey, I'll have you know. He was... That Punjabi prison match was the bomb. <laughs> um, oh, I had a point to make there, and you throw me off now, you little turd. What was I going to say? I can't remember. But, um, yeah, oh, that's what I was going to say. But, you know, look at Dean, Dean Ambrose. He was basically neutered in WWE, came back as John Moxley, which is what he was on the indies. Now he's ridiculously over, loving AEW, having fantastic matches, being able to be as violent as he wants and as non-PC as he wants to be. So he's another guy, you know, that for years was just 
so sick of all the kiddiness and goofy gimmicks being a comedian everyone has to be a comedian no no the rock is a comedian that's why people love him not everyone has to be hilarious you know but uh yeah amazing moment and you know maybe we should make our own t-shirts we were in wales during punk's arrival so on to my second match this is rvd versus John Cena at ECW One Night Stand 2006. This is the second of our two championship matches. And if this one is contested as the last one was, this is going to be a hell of a match. Uh-oh, uh-oh. audience just might be getting a scene and there's no doubt listen you get that kind of chance to wreck it after the senior senior you can't wrestle john cena responds in a wrestling move a cradle suplex but john cena may not want to fall to the trap of trying to answer these ecw fans i know i gotta tell you cena can't wrestle but he sure as hell can fight he's a tough cat i'm telling you but man damn Now, much like the previous two clips, this was a moment of history that took place in front of a rabid partisan crowd. Um, I always think it must have been difficult for RVD to have entered WWE in the heat of the invasion angle, quickly became a fan favourite and then work his way to the top of the card on his incredible performances, but then get overlooked for the title for five years. So, yeah, by the time 2006 comes around, he is overdue a, a title run. Although, knowing Van Damme, I guess he was pretty laid back about the whole thing. Because um, I go high. Because I go high. <laughs> it's a musical journey you're taking us on tonight. Thank you for thank you for soundtracking this episode. <laughs> Sorry, continue. I can't wait to see what you're going to sing in the last clip. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, but I love RVD, though. He's, he's always been one of my favourite wrestlers, and I'm so glad that he became champion. It's just a shame that he didn't hold the belt for very long and never reached the summit again. Um, but, yeah, on to this match. Um, he'd won the Money in the Bank ladder match to claim a shot at John Cena's title, and he wanted the match to take place in front of an ECW crowd, at the ECW branded pay-per-view and got it because that's what that briefcase allows you to do. And yeah, well, I mean, what a match that crowd. I don't think I've ever seen such a hateful partisan crowd in, well, you know, in, in a WWE owned franchise, I know it's ECW. So there is that, but it's not the original ECW. You know, this is essentially still under the, the WWE banner. Um, and the intensity, the hatred they had for Cena, you know, the, the classic sign of Cena wins, we riot. Um, I think it was a bit of a shame, at some of it, because, you know, the same old shit chants. All wrestlers have their repertoire of moves. And even though RVDs look a lot more impressive than a lot of wrestlers, and particularly Cena's, you know, he's essentially been doing the same stuff for a decade by this point, night in, night out. 
and Cena actually mixed it up a bit in this match, jumping from the top tomb buckle, getting a little bit more hardcore. In fact, he he starts to embrace the hate and and plays the heel for a bit of the match, which is again something that only the best wrestlers can do. You know, he deliberately attacked the ref. He he was uh, playing up to the crowd. Um, I think the only thing that I've got to say about this is just a shame that the victory couldn't have been a clean victory, and it had to come as a result of interference from Edge. But it was still a good result and fitting the Haven came to the pin. Yeah, I mean, this has been on my list for a while. Um, I didn't want to feature too many RVD matches because he probably is my favourite wrestler and I'm like, I could just fanboy for years. It's because, yes, he has a repertoire of moves, but they just, he's inhuman. Just the, And we've said time and time again, even the way he takes moves, I've never seen another wrestler take a move like him. He, he's just inhumanly flexible. And, oh, just such a rare talent. But, yeah, I mean, what a clash of styles. This is old-school ECW. This is everything that the WWE stands for. Just a stupid outlandish gimmick that only came about because someone overheard him rapping on a tour bus and was like, hmm, okay, we don't really know what to do with this muscle-bound freak. But, yeah, we just give him a, a thugonomics gimmick and be done with it. Like you said, the banner is becoming from us as well. But this was Cardona levels of heat. I mean, this was, yeah, this was just on another level. Um, and, you know, you have touched on it, but, you know, unlike that dreadful Big Show Batista ECW match that you shared, at least uh, Cena did something positive about it. Like you said, they're chanting, fine, when have you ever seen me go at the top rope? And, you know, I, I'm not a fan of Cena at all, but I can fully appreciate what he does. Yeah, so, you know, he he is impressive in his own right. Um, and he was just really professional. You look at the way Big Show and Batista acted during that match of, like, oh, just flipping off the crowd. And you could tell they didn't want to be there and they hated every second. Cena being the ever-professional guy, again, a company man, even though technically he wasn't even the company that he works for. He, yeah, he turned heel. He tried to do things... To, to at least shock the crowd a little bit. So you've got to give him credit for that because Jesus Christ, he could be the best wrestler in the world and he would, he'd be buried in that match. But, you know, it, it was just another kind of going through their repertoire of moves. Um, but uh, yeah, just the pop at the end when RVD won. Uh, your clips are all about pops this week. You, you have... I don't know if they're subconscious themes. I quite like, you know, we've had some proper retro clips. This one was just pop mania this week. So. I like you. This is a match that I've been thinking about featuring for a while. One of us was bound to, because we've watched this clip over and over and, and talked about it many times. You know, there's so many classic things that happen. So that, that was the only thought about it really the that fact that it happened to be you know pop city is not the you know it's just a coincidence but um i love how cena embraced it you know by throwing his stuff back at the crowd when they threw it back at him you know another wrestler who didn't have the same nous as cena might have just ignored them but he kept throwing it back yeah. You know, say, no, have this, knowing that it would rile them up even more, you know, and then they would throw it back and he'd be like, you have it, you know, and that's really not going to get them on side. Um, but it, it must have been really odd for him because I know he, he always got mixed reactions and the commentators, you know, even mentioned that fact. Mm. But I don't think he's ever wrestled in, a, in an arena where no fan supports him at all. 
because I don't think there were many young fans in the audience, certainly no kids from what I could see, wasn't the environment for young kids. <laughs> Do you see what was happening um, at the timestamp 33 minutes 30, where RVD tried to hang Cena on the ropes, and I don't quite know what was going on. There's a bit of a botch there. He eventually just yeah. fell over. It's a bit of a fumble, wouldn't it? But, I, I mean, I it's, it must be distracting, because you think... Like I've always said, <laughs> is my physique like jelly? Let's be fair. I, I look like a bloody soup sandwich. But drop melted wheelie bin, drop lasagna. There's loads of terms I've been called throughout my career as a man. Um, but, you know, just even like a five minute match, for Christ's sake, you know it's all choreographed. So to remember all the spots and the sequence of moves and to kind of whisper to your opponent, you know, we're really pulling back the, the veil here in wrestling. Sorry, guys, if you thought it was real. Um, should try and do that in a relatively small, it's not even an arena, let's be fair, just a small room, <laughs> essentially. With all that noise and distraction, fucking hell, how, how, how do you concentrate? I couldn't, I mean, they've been doing it for decades, so that, you know, they, they're used to it, but it just always amazes me, like they, they get a stigma as being knuckleheads. They're some of the most intelligent people ever to to work their way through a match, however long, and to know where the cameras are and to convey emotion as well as the physicality. I, d- I don't know how they did it. It's just imagine that, just having to choreograph a match with me, just a sheer wall of noise. You know, mm. something that you just made me think of there as well about this particular arena in this setting is that the dimensions the layout would have been totally different to what they used to from the regular wwe arenas because they were in a wwe arena there'd be more room between the ring and the crowd the crowd barriers would be solid things rather than those fences that they had the crowd would be further away and all the things around the ring um would have been further away but you know the commentary box was in the gorilla position in this one with Joey Styles and Taz kind of away from the action. So yeah. all the personnel around the ring, the cameramen, the the various ring crew, the announcer and that, they were all having to move around those yeah. two. So that that we've talked about that kind of spatial awareness of a ring before. So that must have been quite difficult as well. Knowing you've got less room to do your moves in, especially when it's it takes place outside the ring. RVD probably didn't face him as much because he was used to it from the ECW days. Well, that's probably one of the one of the bigger arenas in ECW. You know, he's he's worked in the bloody bingo hall. <laughs> Only a couple of hundred people. So yeah, no, it's uh it, it was just a, a crazy wild moment, and yeah, if if Cena would have lost, they would have rioted. But out of the two stars, bro, you know which one follows us on Twitter. That's all I'm saying, you know. So RVD, get your act, get your act together, get your ass in shape, and follow us. And his ass is in shape, though. Have you seen it? Even now, his ass puts both of ours to shame. He's like sexy Flanders, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid sexy Flanders, but. He, he, I, yeah, what have we got to do to get him to follow us? Maybe just post a picture of cannabis or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just change our name to at wrestling with my joint and he'd be like, boom, hey guys, 420. He'd be all over, wouldn't he? Hashtag cannabis pod. Hashtag, boom. Oh, hash, yeah. <laughs> weed, weed bros. Hash, no, but you get a hashtag. You did it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Sorry. Okay. I get drugs. <laughs> <laughs>
right. Three insane moments, pops, wild crowd reactions. This is just the most fucking absurd thing that I will ever post. <laughs> this is, oh, I can't even say it. This is just pathetic. We're a wrestling podcast, for Christ's sake. Sumo monster track competition in WCW between Hulk Hogan and the Giants. Wait a minute, what are the rules you have to tell us, brother? All right, drivers, this is how it's going to be. The circular, the perimeter here, there are two charges. The vibration of the truck can make it go off, and you can run over it. Unless it disables that truck, you keep on running them. With the end of this glass up, I want the truck to be completely out of the ring. That doesn't mean one set axle, that means two sets of axles. So the truck has to be completely out, all the way to the bumper. When you see those bumpers come in here, we're going to weld them shut. Now, I want to be on the top of that truck, and when you see my hands and those charges go off, I want to jump off that bumper, and the, may the best truck win. So go for it. I'm going to I'm even curious to see what soundbite you're going to use there. It's going to be a load of revving. <laughs> I mean, WCW, that's all I got to say. This is the company that brought you Viagra on a pole, the finger poke of doom, an A-list actor winning the gold. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. <laughs> now the Hulkster faces off against the Giants in what will go down in history as the most technical, physical masterclass in all of wrestling. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Now, whenever a professional wrestling match starts off with the line, may the best truck win, <laughs> you know you're in for a doozy. I dread to think how much they spend on those monstrosities as well, when they could have been putting it into new talent or developing existing talent. You know, take away from the tomfoolery of this match, you love that word, and, and the shenanigans and all of the, the catchphrases that I like to use. Just the money. When are you going to use a Hulk Hogan monster truck again? I didn't even know what the Giants was. It was just a bunch of teeth and bones. <laughs> didn't even resemble him. At least have his long flowing hair moulded onto the truck. Oh, my God. Thousands and thousands. I mean, the trucks weren't even free to move within the quote-unquote ring. That would have made it semi-decent. That bit of movement... I thought, oh, okay, yeah, good. It's going to be gimmick welded so they can break free within the first 30 seconds and run wild. No, I was just back and forth revving for 10 minutes. Unless I can't believe, and I'm still in shock and get goosebumps over this moment, the Hulk Hogan killed the giant right at the end. Push him off a roof, bro. I mean, they I, I don't even know how many stories up they were. I mean, yes, it was dark, so you don't really know if he hung on. He was gone, though, because I could tell, because Hogan looked shocked. So I could tell the giant was dead. I mean, absolute classic and a match that will go down in, in not only WCW, but wrestling history for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Discuss. As a wrestling fan, there's nothing <laughs> I want to watch more than my favourite wrestlers in two trucks that are welded together, driving back and forth on a roof in the dark. In the dark as well, yeah. They weren't even, weren't even well lit, to say. <laughs> Fucking hell. <sighs> Last week, we featured one of the best WCW matches of the mid-90s, and now we're back to the worst of WCW in the mid-90s. What the fuck was this? <laughs> Did anybody actually want to see this? You know, right? It's one thing to see monster trucks in an arena 
that could be a spectacle. Monster trucks driving over cars. I get that there could be some overlap with a young audience who would want to see something like that, you know, or monster trucks driving around a ring, perhaps smashing into each other, chasing each other, doing jumps or tricks or something. You could kind of see, yeah, kids, monster trucks wrestling. They're all spectacles that families can enjoy. But the fans didn't even get to see that because it was on the fucking roof. They could <laughs> If they'd had it in the arena with the fans, that might have been something, but they, they didn't. What was the point? And like you said, it, it wasn't even exciting because they weren't driving around chasing each other and smashing it the side of each other or, or you know, taking high risks or anything like that. It was literally fucking back and forth. At uh, one point, Bischoff on commentary said, this is exciting. It wasn't at all. <laughs> And they didn't even know the rules. I love that everyone got so confused over the rules. Oh, the ref didn't even know the rules. <laughs> they were like saying, oh, I believe he said on commentary. I'm like, were you listening or what? Are you just <laughs> enamored by these huge trucks? Oh, fuck me. Um, I think the funniest thing about this whole thing was that um, the Giant had a match later in the evening in which he turned up dry. You know, he'd been <laughs> in a river. <laughs> fallen off a roof into a river. He turned up to the match completely bone dry, wrestled the match. Nobody mentioned what happened, and that was it all over. Fuck me. Ah, oh, WCW. Oh, man. I think uh, it maybe planted the seed of Hulk Hogan's heel turn, because you could see him here all in black and, you know, a bit more of a heelish sort of character. But I can't, I don't even, even know if that's the case. I'm, I just... Grasping for straws, this was shit. <laughs> uh, but we've got to balance things out. It was no Malenko classic, sure. <laughs> but, you know, was it the worst Big Show match you've ever seen? I don't think so. <laughs> Any opportunity. I love you, Paul. I love you like a giant brother. Oh, yeah. And this is the beauty of this part. I saw it and I'm like, there is no way I'm passing up the opportunity to feature monster trucks. So I love it. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. I mean, just, yeah. It must have been just Bischoff's love of things with engines that roar and go fast because he was into biking, wasn't he? And he had a couple of pay-per-views from biker events, which, again, it, it, just to satisfy his interest, not because there's any commercial interest in it, but just how they let him get away with some of these things. Uh, it was Road Wild was the pay-per-view. So, yeah, you might you might be onto something there. Yeah, WCW Road Wild from Stooges. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but, again, you know, that kind of had a bit of atmosphere. You had all the bikes parked outside, like you said. At least that was a bit of interaction between the theme and the crowd. <laughs> this was essentially on the top of the Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> like, nobody gave a shit about it. It was like, oh, okay, whatever. So there you go. That was uh, four wildly different clips we've uh, picked this week. Um, all exciting, though. It all got my blood pumping. I don't know about you, bro, but my goosey still haven't gone down. So even those tracks, it's just, just wild entertainment, isn't it? Just, just wild. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm all worn out. Speechless. You can't even talk. Uh, yeah, so we've been wrestling with my brother. We do uh, weekly podcasts, uh, try to bring them out every Monday, and we, we discuss our favourite clips, not necessarily from the week, just favourite clips in wrestling. We are on Twitter at Russell Bros Pod. 
we have a great laugh. We look forward to kind of filming it every week. And hopefully, you know, you've had a bit of a chuckle along with us. Feel free to interact with us on the socials. And uh, yeah, can you think of any other wrestling clips involving vehicles? I mean, you've got, you know, Taker's bike and Stone Cold's quad bike, I suppose. But yeah. The DX Express. For the most part, though, they play a part in the story and they never actually do the wrestling. So I think <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be quite a good challenge. That's true. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode and we will see you next week. I've thought of a good one before we go. Hops Lesnar. Nice. Hey, everyone. Sorry for that. <laughs> wrestling with my brother. We got a podcast. Yeah. Wrestling with my brother.